Good morning, church. Man, y'all are a good-looking bunch, man. Uh, I'm super glad to be here, honored to be here. Uh, It's been a wonderful experience. Uh, Enjoyed meeting the connectors, and uh, I want to quickly just introduce... Uh, this is my wife, Carly, uh, of 11 years, believe it or not, man, and uh, she is the joy of my life, my better half. Um, you want to meet her before we leave. I also uh, want to share, I've got five children, three of them are with us today, so any damage that has incurred in KK, you can build that at the Connection Church Dublin, all right, so I want to go ahead and share that. Uh, but no, I do want to share, it is truly a privilege and an honor. Uh, about seven years ago, uh, my wife and I Uh, felt called into the ministry. Uh, I had no desire for ministry whatsoever. Uh, I wanted to teach school. Uh, I wanted to finish my time in the school system. I wanted to win a ton of state wrestling championships, uh, build a house on a farm, and uh, and then just hang out there. And as many times in our life, God has other plans, right? And so he made it very clear he had a different path for us. And so we planted Connection Church Dublin. And by God's grace, we've uh, gotten to see some really incredible things. But I say that to say, as I come here and I look, um, it just gets all of those uh, church planting um, memories going. And did you know that over half of church plants uh, don't make it? And as I was thinking, the first time I get to come and see you guys, uh, I hear all that God's doing um, and, and I know, for one, you have incredible, incredible leaders, multiple leaders, uh, wise beyond their years. And so I look back at three years, and the gospel has been preached, the word's been preached, baptisms have been had. We just had a great time of worship, and disciples have been made. And man, look at where we are, where you guys are. Can we just give God a hand for what he has done, is doing, and, uh, and what he's going to do? through Connection Church Athens. Something we say a lot is the best is yet to come. I've been here like 10 minutes. I promise the best is in front of you. All right? The best is in front of you. Uh, But today, again, we read the passage. And, uh, man, I quickly just want to pray over the Word before I get going. Um, And I pray that you hear God's voice through His Word more than mine. Let's pray. Father, I love you. And God, I love your Word. Man, I am short-sighted about this passage. But, God, I do pray uh, that... The most powerful part of our service has happened. Uh, your people have sang, and your word has been read. So, God, I pray you would speak to your people as you see fit. And, God, uh, may I just, uh, just be a vessel, Lord. Uh, use me as you will, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, I love culture. And the fact that I get to talk about uh, a series on culture is a treat. And so, uh, culture is this strange uh, kind of thing. You, you can't really uh, super... Culture is just something you feel, right? Have you ever been to a place where you go in and you're like, I just like being here. I don't know why I like being here, but it just feels uh, right. And a lot of times when it comes to culture, churches are way, way, way too focused on strategy and not enough focused on culture. If you're taking notes, take this down. Peter Drucker said, culture eats strategy for breakfast, right? Culture eats strategy for breakfast. And, um, and so as we try to... Uh, define culture, um, I listened to, to something and Seth Godin said this, the best way to talk about culture is people like us do things like this, right? Hear that again. People like us, talking about whether it's a company, organization, Chick-fil-A or whatever, people like us do things like this. Now, every church has a culture. Everyone, right? Uh, we, they may be defined culture or not defined culture. And what we're going to be talking about the next four weeks is our culture. But building culture in a church is really easy, 
We don't say people like us do things like this. Listen to what the church says. People in Christ do things like Christ. Hear that one more time. Defining our culture is really easy. People in Christ do things like Christ. And so today, talking about the culture of evangelism, we believe that saved people live sin. You don't have to look past our Savior. Uh, our Savior was sent by God on an evangelistic missional mission uh, to come here to earth to die in place for our sins so that we might be rescued, restored, and redeemed back to God. We already see the perfect example of an evangelist. And so uh, we look no farther than to Christ. But today, I want this talk to be all about this. Listen, I want you to take this with you. Let's look at the power and the possibility of living a missional life. The power and the possibility of all of us if we embrace the clear call from God to live a missional life. And so again, um, you know, we're, we're kind of here, but I want to bring you back to uh, me at 20 years old, a college student, uh, moved in with a guy named Billy Shiver. If you've been here for a while, you've probably heard him talk. Uh, he's kind of the network guru, if you will. Uh, he's the church planning discipleship guy. Um, but at 20 years old, uh, I moved into a trailer park at Georgia Southern University over in Greenhaven. Y'all listen, college students, you're going to be jealous. $150 a month, right? <laughs> Fantastic. I would go back tomorrow. Carly would never come with me, so I'm not going back. But it was amazing. And man, um, I, and a little bit about me, I grew up in church, uh, grew up around the faith. But there's a big, big difference between growing up around the faith and then understanding uh, what it means to walk in the faith. Right? And so um, um, I claimed to know something, right? Grew up in the mix of church. But then when I got away from my parents, accountability in my life, the fruit of my life showed that I did not know what it was to worship the God we just sang about. That the fruit of my life became evident that my heart's desires were not for the Lord, they were for me. And so, um, really, some of the most dangerous and really a dangerous uh, part of my life is to believe that I had something that I really didn't have. Um, and that's scary. But man, by God's grace, I moved in with Billy. And Billy was an authentic Christian. At 20 years old, he was the first one I ever met that like wasn't super churchy and judgmental. But he was the real thing. You know what I mean? Like the way he read his Bible, I was like, I don't read my Bible that way. The way he talks to people, I don't talk to people that way. And so really when I, I think back, really how Billy won me is he just prayed. He read his Bible. He lived it out. He didn't judge me while I was out in town doing God knows what, right? He just loved me. And he modeled it. And what he did is he built a bridge with me that Jesus could walk across. He modeled, eventually shared the gospel, and he won me to Jesus Christ as a college student. And man, I'll forever, I'm going to go to heaven saying, thank you God that there was a young man who decided to take it serious to live life on mission. That's how I got here. One person. And I know we got some college kids there. Do not underestimate what God might do with that one in your life that needs to hear the love of Christ. Don't underestimate it. So today, um, again, we're going to be talking about the power and the possibility of a missional life. We're going to look at, in this passage from Paul, take this with you, the motive, the method, and the mindset for, an, for a missional life. The motive, why do we do that? Why do we live on mission? Um, the method, like how? And then also... Uh, the mindset. And so our passage today comes from Paul. Um, and, and what is essentially happening in 1 Corinthians, to give you a little context, uh, Paul is correcting a really, really messed up church. 
And it takes him like eight chapters to do it. I mean, there's some junk to address, okay? And I've been in some messy churches, but Corinth, like, one of, I mean, one of a kind. So, so Paul is addressing this bad behavior. He's trying to uh, bring them back to Christ. And man, because you're in Christ, this is kind of how you behave. And then in chapter 9, he begins to defend his rights as an apostle. And what apostle means is sent one. All right, These were uh, apostolic leaders. They were uh, pioneers of the early church, starting the church where it's never been. And so Paul's defending his rights. And then it finishes with this, him kind of being reminded of, hey, I was set free by Christ. I'm an apostle called by Christ. And he's wanting to share with Corinth. I want to share with you how I've chosen to live my life in light of Christ. I want to show you how I've chosen to live in light of Christ. So Paul gives us a look into his mindset as an apostle. And also as an apostle, uh, Paul's a missionary. Now you've already read it, man. I love that you guys talk about unreached people groups. A missionary is someone who intentionally moves to engage a group of people that have never gotten the gospel. Paul was a missionary, all right? Now listen, every one of us, We may not be called to be missionaries, but listen, everyone in here, listen up. We've all been called to live a missional life. Again, we may not all be missionaries, but we have all been called to live a missional life. And so as we read the Bible, learn from Paul, but also the Bible is much more than what we can learn from it, but what we can apply it to our feet to go and walk out. Right? And so that's what I want to do today. I want to walk you through. And so the first thing, let's look at it. Let's look at Paul's motivation for evangelism. As we talk about this culture, evangelism, that saved people live sent, let's look at Paul's why. So let's let's read verse 19 again. It says, Though I am free, say it with me, free, and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. And so go down to verse 23. And he goes on with kind of why he does that. In verse 23 he says, I do all this, this is his why, for the sake of the gospel, which means good news, that I may share in its blessings. So to really grasp the magnitude of verse 19, when Paul says, I've been set free, you really got to know what he was enslaved to. And so Paul, um, and maybe you walked in here, and maybe some of you are church, maybe you're in church, maybe you're de-church. Some of you might not can spell church, right? But, but I guarantee you, no one has murdered and overseen the enslaving of God's people. Right? Like, I, I think about it, of, think about how frustrated you would be if someone mistreated your child, right? And so Paul was taking God's children and murdering them, overseeing their killing and torture and getting put in prison. How in the world did he sleep at night when he came to realize the very people I've been persecuting are God's children? And so Jesus, in his grace and his mercy that's available to every one of us in here, everyone listening online, met him on the road to Damascus. He was actually on a mission to go keep doing the things to God's children. And Jesus met him and offered him forgiveness. Now think about the freedom of, you mean you're going to free me And forgive me from all I've done? Think about how that would change his mindset. Man, listen. uh, Think about these passages that he wrote. Uh, Galatians 5.1. He said, no, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. 
Think about what that means from the author. Man, I am a slave to no one. Jesus set me free. And brother, you don't know what I've done. Look at Romans 8.1. And these are truths you may have heard, but may they hit fresh today, right? Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Man, that feels good. And think about what the author uh, really felt there. But I want to bring it from Paul's day to our day. And, and I asked myself this, and I stood under the word of God today as I was singing. I want to ask you the question, when's the last time you really sat and contemplated the magnitude of what it means to be set free by the gospel? Take that with you. When's the last time we just sat and just said, man, Jesus forgave me of all my sins. And man, the way we really think about that is going to inform the direction our feet start moving in, right? And so it always starts with the gospel. It's always about the gospel. And so uh, he says, I'm set free, so I belong to no one, but I've made a choice, right? So Paul was not uh, enslaved to Judaizers. Paul was not enslaved to his sin. Uh, he was set free. And all of us, listen to me, man. Christianity is not chains. It's freedom. But listen to what Paul chose to do. He said what? He said, I've made myself a slave to everyone. Why? Because I want to win just as many as possible. And so the choice of his freedom was to go and reach people. And I think about it, man. Um, I, I look back in my life. I, I think about the first time I ever led someone to Christ. Y'all, listen, I gave the worst gospel presentation in the history of mankind. I'll tell you. There's a guy in my small group. He and his wife going through some junk. It was not good. Um, and we had started meeting at Chick-fil-A. And it had come to that point where I knew, all right, I built the bridge with this guy. His life's in a mess. I know who can help. I know who can start the work in him. I know who can rescue and restore his marriage. And, y'all, I sat down, and I was nervous as a cat, man. I mean, I was trembling, scared, scared. And I went to bumbling out words to tell him Jesus loved him. And I knew as it was coming out, this is horrible, right? <laughs> this is not well. And he looked at me, and when I got done, he said, but I don't understand what you said, but I think you said that Jesus loves me. If I repent of my sin and receive him, I can be saved. And I was like, you got it. That's it. That's what we were going for. He gave his life to Christ, went home. Life later, his wife later came to Christ. Uh, they're still married, uh, three beautiful children. And I'll tell you, and I want everyone to listen up, there is nothing on this planet like seeing that. There's no cheap thrill. There is nothing like watching a human being who was lost in their sin coming to know a Savior and being set free. And the good news is God has not commissioned people to stand on this stage to do it. He's commanded his children to do it. All of us can do it, right? I'm telling you, and I know, like, man, I've been preached for a bit. I've been doing this. Listen, if he could use someone like me, I promise you he could use someone like you. He can use someone like you. I think about it like this. Of, think about a world of cancer, man. And that's what sin does. It erodes us. It, it kills us from the inside out. And ultimately, uh, it kills us for all eternity. Um, and imagine, man, if in a world full of cancer, Jesus gave us a cure. Right, man? We would be, it would be terrible not to share it. And that's what the gospel is. It's, it's a cure. It's a cure for the problem we see. It's the, the cure from all the societal problems we deal with. And Jesus has given us the cure to see people saved, rescued, redeemed, and restored to a God who loves them. How powerful is that message, right? And man, I'm telling you, I'm preaching to you, but I'm preaching to me. I pray that's fresh in my heart today. So you're like, all right, well, how do I do that? Well, listen, take this with you. 
Um, it starts with changing our mindset. Uh, it starts with changing our mindset. Um, I'm a big vision guy. I'm a big um, mission guy. Like I, I'm one of those, does anybody like me, just show me kind of what I'm supposed to do and then I'll go do it. Does that make sense? Like you give me a goal to go do. Um, and I think sometimes in the church, when we grow up in the South, we got to change the scorecard. All right? And so I want to change the scorecard uh, today. And a lot of times the scorecard is uh, how many church services can I attend? But I want to ask you a question. Maybe let's move the scorecard from how many services am I going to to how many disciples am I making? Right? So we move the scorecard. And that Jesus has called us to reach people that are unreached and he wants to use. In fact, I think you've got a better shot than I do in a postmodern world because everybody expects the preacher to come and throw Jesus down their throat. Does that make sense? I feel like I've become like it's more difficult to reach people. But there's someone in your workplace, there's someone in your classroom, there's someone in your neighborhood that you're the one that can build the bridge to reach them. Amen? I'm an ameter now. I'm telling you, we'll be here at 1230 if y'all get talking to me a little bit. All right, good. Thank you. All right, so we got to move the scorecard. How many disciples uh, have we made? Now, number two, take this with you. Let's look at Paul's method for evangelism. Let's look at the how. The why is for the sake of the gospel that sets us free, right? It's the choice to use our freedom to reach people. Now, let's look at um, how. How does God uh, want us to do it? Well, in the passage, let's read 20 and 20, 20 through 22. So Paul said this, I'm using my freedom to reach people. And he says, to the Jews, I became like. You might want to start highlight that. To the Jews, I became like a Jew. Why? To win Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law. Why? He goes on to say, as to win those under the law. Verse 21, to those not having the law, Gentiles, I became like. One not having the law. Then he goes on and he says why. So is the windows not having the law. Verse 22. I became, to the weak I became weak. To win the weak. I become what? All things to all people. Why? So that by all possible means that I might save some. And so what Paul's saying here is this. And I, I, I believe it. We should do everything short of sin to reach people for Jesus. I believe it. So, so back 2017, first sermon in Dublin. I'm sure the message was absolutely mediocre at best. But this was the passage. And I believe some of it, it got into me, and I believe it spilled a little bit on our people. And that, man, I'll be honest, when we're baptizing people, most of the time I'm not the one baptizing them. Because uh, this is starting to bleed into some of the folks. And, man, it is really, really special to see people building bridges to reach people for Jesus. And that's what Paul is saying here. That Paul understood his context. And man, it's, it's so important that we understand, hey, if someone's lost in their sin, like I should not expect them to act like me if I know Christ. Does that make sense? And Horkin would be frustrated by their sin. Right? And I remember trying to get this DNA into uh, our church of like, hey, listen, if they're out there like just doing wild, wild stuff, that's what they can and should and will be doing apart from Christ. Like how, like how mad? I should have a good example here. I can't think of it. But think about it. Even with our kids, they're doing what they should be doing, right? And Paul understood this. If you watch him through Acts, he got the Berea, and Berea was a bunch of smart guys that liked to study. Well, you know what Paul did? 
He taught the scriptures in a way to meet them where they were. Then you go on to the Athens. So Athens, they were big on idols. So what did Paul teach on and begin to study about um, uh, Athens? He learned about their idols and he was able to communicate and meet them where they were and help them get where God wanted them to be. If you go on down to Thessalonica, man, he, he <clears throat> had a lot of persecution, a lot of resistance. It took a lot of boldness, bold declaration of the gospel to reach him. And so he, he did. He became whatever he needed to be to reach people. Now, remember, I did say short of sin. Um, so, listen, what I'm not saying is, is uh, to go downtown and absolutely go bananas, right? I don't want Liam emailing me in two weeks, right? That's not what I'm saying. How do we reach people in a culture far from Jesus? This is it. I want you to take this with you. We always have to ask the question, how do I remain holy but yet remain effective at reaching people? That's the tension. And it is a tension. How do I remain holy, which means set apart from the world, but we're called to be effective in the world? Right? And so sometimes we've got to bust up holy huddles. We've got to bust up the frozen chosen. But we've got to build bridges with the world. Right? So Jesus so loved the world, right? That he gave his one and God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, right? And some of that DNA uh, has to get in us. So how do we remain holy but yet effective? And I believe Paul did it three ways. Take this with you. Paul was intentional, right? Paul was intentional. Um, evangelizing people was not a good idea he'd do in the future. He knew it was something God had called him to do now, right? So I sat on the sideline for a long time, and this is just being transparent with y'all, because making disciples and being an evan- like being, uh, practicing evangelism was a good idea I'd get to someday, right? <laughs> like I had these great plans, but that text message to invite someone to breakfast is a scary one. But you'd be amazed at what happens when you get that meeting. So he was intentional. It wasn't a good idea. Number two, he was relatable, right? He was relatable. Evangelism starts with meeting people where they are. Right? If we can't go and meet people where they are, we're not going to be very effective um, as an evangelist. I was talking about this on my podcast the other day. Have you ever been around that person that um, just kind of when, when Jesus comes up, they kind of start talking in the church voice like this? You know what I mean? Like you kind of talk normal most of the time, but then like when Jesus comes up, all of a sudden you go from uh, like a tenor to a falsetto. You know what I mean? One of the things that I believe is the church is, man, we've got to be authentic and we've got to be us. You be you, you just be you in Christ. Make sense? So he was relatable, right? He was able to relate with the lost world around him. And then number three, he was relational. Paul was relational. You see, when Ephesus, when he's leaving, like they're in tears because they love the guy. They love them. He was able to build relationships. So regardless if you're an Enneagram 1 or a 3, you know, we're all called to build relationships for the sake of the gospel. And that's something we can continue to grow and work at. And so something I talk about, like I said, I'm so passionate about witnessing evangelism, discipleship. I started a podcast and I want to share with you something I, I shared on there about a game plan. And so if you're like, Buck, how do I go and actually evangelize and reach someone? Well, here's part one. Take this with you. It starts with prayer. It starts with prayer. Number one. God, who have you put around me that I sent you leading me to start a relationship with for the sake of the gospel? Start with prayer. Number two, build the bridge. It starts with building a bridge. So whether you know the person well or not, 
begin to get to know what they're into and just start doing it, right? Um, I, I, I remember, I can't, I can't remember the exact state, but there was some dumb card game that I thought was awful, but I learned how to play the stupid game so I could hang out with the guy, right? Um, and it wasn't like Yu-Gi-Oh or nothing, but it was a weird game. It was a weird game. And so I, I learned how to do this because this was the only way me and this guy had anything in common. Um, and so maybe for them it's hunting, sports, Georgia game. Uh, begin to build the bridge. Number three, once you've built a relationship with a person where there's some trust, invite them to breakfast to read the Bible. You would be amazed at the people you think, no way, they would wig out. They'll show up, man. It's crazy. It's been happening seven years, and I continue to get shocked, right? Uh, last weekend, I uh, met with a guy on a Saturday, and it was just amazing. Same story. And then number four, as you begin to read the Bible, pray for God for the opportunity to share the gospel, right? Share the gospel. And I found that gospel witness is a lot better when trust has been established on the front end. Does that make sense? Um, and maybe some of you, I got a guy at my church, he'll, he'll walk up somehow on the sidewalk, and man, he'll lead them to Jesus. And I'm like, how do you do that? You know, like he hasn't known the person and they'll just, they'll just make a decision for Christ. And I'm like, I can't do that. And so much, some of you may be, but I've had a lot of uh, success building relationships, building trust on the front end and then sharing the gospel. Right? So that's a practical plan uh, you can take with you. And so right now, I want to leave you with something to, for your feet to do. Uh, take this with you. Who's one person in your life to invite the church next week? Right now. Write them down. If you want to get bold, man, I'm gonna, you go ahead and text them right now. I won't get mad, I promise. Some of you may be candy crushing it right now. But <laughs> go ahead and invite them. Because you may not be far enough along your life, but I don't know if I'm ready to lead them to water. Well, that's all right. You know where the water's at, and it's at Connection Church Athens every Sunday, right? And so don't be surprised at what a simple invite can do. But know that evangelism doesn't stop with inviting someone to church, but it definitely can start there in your life, right? So a simple invite could change your life. Now, number two, let's take it a step deeper. Who's the one person God is calling you to build a bridge with right now? Who's that classmate? Who's that coworker? Who's that neighbor? Who's that family member that God is calling you right now to start building a bridge for the sake of the gospel? And how many would you say, Buck, I've got someone in my life? Be bold, raise your hand and say, I do. I've got someone. Look at there. Because y'all ain't going to have no room next week. Look, y'all are packed anyway, right? But man, we all have those people. I want to encourage you to take those steps. Now thirdly, this may be my favorite part of the passage Let's look at Paul's mindset for evangelism. So we've looked at his why, his motive. We've looked at his method being uh, intentional, relational, relatable. And so now I want to look at his mindset. What was he thinking? And I love this. I, I have a sports background. So I, I love when Paul begins to share how he's about to go do the thing that God's called him to do the thing, the thing that he's called us to all go do. Verse 24. It says, do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way to get the prize. He's just saying, don't jog, right? Don't jog, run. Verse 25, everyone who competes in the games that wants to win, it says, goes into strict training. They do not get a crown that will last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave, so that after I preach to others, 
I myself might not be disqualified from the prize. Paul's saying this, man, and I believe it. I believe intentionality is key to witness. Intentionality is key for evangelism and discipleship, which I believe are one and the same. And so I've always said, he's saying here, real simply, we're called to run hard. God's got a zillion wonderful promises in the Bible. Tomorrow's not one of them. All right, there's this urgency around the gospel that, man, th this is real. Right? This is the real thing. And I've always said this, take this with you. Eternal thinking creates urgent living. Eternal thinking creates urgent living. And that's what Paul's saying. He's like, man, I'm not thinking about my prizes here. I'm thinking about my prize that will be. And because of my God in heaven, what he's done for me, because the gospel that's promised me, because the gospel he's called me to share, I've chosen to discipline myself. I'm going to live my life in such a way to win just as many people as possible as I can. And Jesus, I'm coming to see you. And man, when you really set out to live a life open-handed for God, man, it will require discipline. It will require focus. Man, Satan, I'm convinced he's not really worried about folks that are just kind of walking in circles. But man, when you start getting on those tracks and start running, man, that's when we got to have our eyes on the Savior because you are literally changing eternities through the power of the Holy Spirit working in you. And that's something Satan don't like. Right? And he says, I'm going to remain. I'm going to run hard. I'm going to be disciplined. I'm going to stay focused. Right? And he says that, man, I, I'm, I'm going to go win this prize. Jesus, I've got my eyes fixed on you. I'm going to do all that we can. And here's a, here's a note. The only thing you and I can take to heaven with us is people. Hear that one more time. The only thing you and I will take to heaven are people. Right? And man, that, that really uh, begins to give us this lens of our life that, that begins to put everything in its proper context. That man, um, I, I, I know there's people in my life that I know I want them to know the Lord and maybe build some, some uh, I don't know, some desire there, right? But again, I, I want to share with you the best example we can share um, is who do we look to? For this motivation, who do we look to for this mindset of, of, of running like a champion, running to win? And, and man, again, I want to finish where I started. We look to King Jesus. Read with me in Hebrews chapter 12, 1 through 3. It should be on the screen. Um, this is Jesus talking here. Jesus said, therefore, or the author of Hebrews, but he's talking about Jesus. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses... So that's the saints before. There's a little talk about what that passage, I believe it to be uh, the saints and, and all of heaven and, and people. There's a cloud of witnesses. Since we have such a great cloud of witness, let us throw off everything that hinders us from running this race. And sin that so easily entangles us. And let us what? Run. Say it with me. What? Run. With perseverance. The race marked out for us. Ephesians 2.10, God has good works in front of you that he's calling you to run and walk into. This exciting, you don't have to go make them up. They're waiting on you. So listen, verse 2. How do we do it? You've tuned me out all day. Listen, fixing our eyes on Jesus. He's the pioneer. He's the starter. And he's the perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him. Because right now what Jesus is doing, he's seated at the right hand of the Father and he is pleased 
with his sacrifice on the cross, what it's done. For the joy, so before he got there, the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and then he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So Jesus, his eyes was focused not where he was, but where he was going and what God had called him to do. And so for us, as we seek to live courageous faith, as we seek to live as uh, missional people in a lost world, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. We look at our Savior and we see the example of living sent. You see, saved people live sent. And our Savior modeled this for us. And so what am I asking you to do today? Number one, if you don't know Christ, I want you to receive him today. And what I love about Connection Church, that's not an awkward thing. That, man, we're just honest. Like, we all were someone before we met Christ. You know, I mean, there's no judgment here. I mean, my gosh, if I told you what I've done the last two weeks, like, you're like, a preacher did that? Yeah, he did. Meet Christ today. If you know him, this is what I'm asking you to do. Love God and read your Bible. We can't talk about a Savior we don't know. Right? Love God and read your Bible. That That's your next step. Number three, what I'm asking you to do is to build bridges. Build bridges and begin to tell people about the love you found. There's a lot of power in testimony. As God works in you, you just share what God's doing. And then I, I, I want to ask you to learn, and I know some of you finished heart and soul, like learn. Not only do we share Jesus, we want to make disciples and teach them how to multiply and tell others. And, and really, here's the deal. The Christian life, sometimes we complicate it, if you get good at running that play of reaching people, sharing the gospel, baptizing them, they become a disciple, just run that play the rest of your life. Just run that play. That's all you got to do. I'm telling you, just run the play. Jesus gave a play not for the pastor, but for the people of God. We just got to get good at running the play. And that's how we'll reach this country for the gospel. That's how we'll reach Athens for the gospel. That's how we're going to reach Dublin for the gospel. That's how we're going to reach these eight churches. And then number nine, and then number ten, all the way to 50. Just be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. All right? So as I invite the band up, I, I want to finish with this and really maybe speak to... I want to speak to maybe those that maybe knew or you haven't heard it this way. I want to share how much Jesus... Just how much He loves you. And that maybe, you know, you're like, Buck, you're talking about step seven, eight, nine. It's like, Buck, listen, you don't know what I did last night. You don't know what I've been into. And like, you're talking about doing things for Jesus. And I'm too messed up and broken to be saved by Jesus. Or I don't belong at church. Or, man, I'm kind of that church person that's drifted away. And, you know, whatever that is. Um, I think what kept me from Christ... Uh, was thinking I wasn't good enough. That maybe on the outside I appeared like I had something together, but on the inside I knew who I really was. And, and I just struggled with being good enough for God. Right? Being good enough for God. And so Jesus, the perfect example of an evangelist, I want to share a passage with you that hopefully will, will be a comfort to you. Because see, here's the deal. Just like discipleship and just like evangelism and living on mission is meeting people where they are and helping them get where God wants them to be, Jesus did that for you and me. 
that Jesus made the choice to meet us before we ever meet him. Romans 5.8 says, For while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So that means God already sent Jesus out of heaven. He already sent him to the cross. And In fact, while we were singing, that's what I was thinking about. I feel like sometimes when I'm singing, God gives me an image of Jesus, and I'm on a, I'm on a hill, and I'm looking, and Jesus is on the cross, and he's just looking at me. This may sound strange, but I get this image sometimes. And the look in his eye is, I did this for you because I love you. And Jesus made that choice before I was ever a thought in my parents' brain. He paved the way so that he could meet me as a religious kid who was really lost, didn't love God, so that he could save me from my sin long process I'm still in my begin cleaning me up from the inside out and would use someone like me there might be someone here today that it's time for your story to get started that God sent Jesus out of heaven for you and man he loves you good gracious I've made a mess of it a lot of times and I continue to learn man he loves us good gracious he loves us and I want you to know he loves you and so I'd love for you to bow your heads. I'm going to pray at the end of our service. We're going to get ready to worship. I just want to pray some things over you. And then if you're here today and you'd say, Buck, man, I, I, I want to meet that Savior. The Bible says that if we would confess our sins, repent, that we're saved by grace through faith, that's believing in what Christ has done on the cross, it said we would be saved. Not in two weeks when you clean up, but you can be saved right now. So first of all, I want to pray for that person. Father, I pray for those that are meeting you right now. God, I pray you would come into their heart, make them new. And God, also give them the challenge to come and pray, God. Your word, you're, you're, uh, give them the courage to come and pray. God, your word says that if we would confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that you raised us from the dead, that you raised from the dead says you would be saved. We would be saved. So I pray that over someone that's receiving you right now, God. But for all of us, Lord, I pray the prayer I prayed right when I got up this morning. God, would you save the lost? Lord, would you equip the saved? And God, would you bring revival to Athens? And God, may Connection Church Athens just be an instrument in your hand. I pray for each individual in this room. God, they're not here by accident. You're a sovereign God. You know what you're doing. You've been doing it for thousands of years. Before time began, I pray you would give great vision in this room, God. I pray you would pour out great wisdom in this room, great courage to send the text message, great courage to go meet for lunch, great courage to set the alarm and read the Bible in the morning. And God, I pray you would do through this church exceedingly and abundantly more than anyone in here could ask or imagine. I thank you for the privilege to preach today. God, I pray you'd have your way as we close this service. And God, I pray if we feel led to come and pray that we would. We'd come right up front and humble ourselves so that we could be uh, lifted up by you. I love you, God. I thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen.